Spotlight, brought to you by the Isle of Man Arts Council. On Spotlight this evening, we're in Peel to see the new Manx National Heritage exhibition at the House of Mananan, Traders of the Lost Arts. I like what they did there. Artist Dawn Kenyuk pops into the studio as well, and we'll be learning more about Bollywood dance. Don't forget, you can find the whole programme as a podcast just after half past six on the Manx Radio website. A new exhibition, Traders of the Lost Arts, opened in Peel on Saturday and I went along to see the curator of this display, Nicola Toombs. So you're telling me there are three different sections to this exhibition. The um, No, you're going to have to listen again. Domestic crafts, crafts of the land and... Crafts of the workshop. Crafts of the workshop. Yeah, there's a lot of crossover actually. Um, it's it's quite a difficult thing to really categorise and normally when you're doing an exhibition there's a chronology or some sort of narrative but this was really just based on the fact that we have this amazing folklife collection in the museum and it doesn't all range from one time period and it doesn't just reflect one particular craft it's just a sort of what they could gather off the Manx traditional way of life and um, and it's all in a room. I, it's, I suppose it's like a journey of discovery, really. So you're, you're hopping through time periods from one object to the next. But it's all the thing that they've got in common is that um, they're part of the museum's folklife collections and they were collected by um, you know, people who had the foresight to collect them before they vanished forever. Mm-hmm. And it's such a funky setup in here. I mean, if you think that they're very humble items, really, aren't they? And I'm sure it'd be easy to imagine this and we've all been to quite dry exhibits where, um, I don't know, there's not a lot of energy jumping out at you. This room is rather funky, I have to say. You have brought all of this into the 21st century because this collection started nearly 100 years ago. So there are some really very old pieces in here. It doesn't, it's not an old fashioned setup, I have to say that. It's, it pops. Thanks. Um, Well... I was hoping that it'd be eye-catching and the nature of the tools is that they're dark, they're brown, they're, you know, a little bit rusty, they're, you know, old and dirty. Like you say, they're humble objects and this is something that really sets us apart from a lot of other museums, especially across the water, where they would have been collecting the absolute very best examples of things, the most beautiful, the most intact examples of things. Um, The Manx Museum had the foresight to collect these very, very humble objects. It didn't matter if they were broken. They wanted to reflect the objects as people were using them. And people wouldn't have thrown something away just because it was broken. They would have repaired it and continued to use it. So you can see the basket that's made out of the twisted rope, the shagan, the linen um, shirt that we've got up there. You can see how many times that's been patched and repaired. They're all humble working people objects. The, you know, the, the, the objects are the traditional Manx people that were here on the Isle of Man. And we can relate to them, they're practical objects. Yeah, one of the really interesting things about it is we do have, like, so you can see these butter pats have got, um, oh yeah, it says oh, yeah. Balakilferic written on them. So this was something that was collected really early on as part of the Manx Folklife Survey. So they were going out and they, it sounds quite ordinary today, we're used to the idea of people going out and doing oral history interviews and gathering the the memories of ordinary people, but this was quite revolutionary back then and they went out, they interviewed 
um, in the uh, late 1940s, 50s, they interview people who were very old then of their memories and things that their parents and their grandparents had told them. So we're talking about memories stretching well back into the 19th century. Mm-hmm. And they weren't just collecting the stories and the names and the photographs. They were collecting objects as well. So we've got, you know, Mr. Jockin's, um plough and we've got... Uh, you know, objects from particular farms and we can tell you where the, the spinning wheels came from. So that provenance, those connected stories are one of the really lovely things about it. And they did a wealth of collecting. So there's some really lovely quotations to go with some of the objects. And I suppose in, in a way, a bit like today, really, when you try and get people to do interviews, people were wondering, why on earth do they want to interview me? I'm not important. I'm not one of the good and great. I'm just an ordinary blacksmith or an ordinary housewife. Why are they wanting to interview me? I haven't done anything remarkable with my life. But they had the stories of the remarkable people. The history of the political good and the greats and the high and the mighty had been written. What they wanted to collect was the stories of the ordinary people, And we are so, so fortunate that they went out and did that survey because it's an absolute treasure trove of information about the traditional way of life on the Isle of Man. Mm -hmm. I'd urge everybody to come and and see the exhibition. We're just putting the finishing touches to it today and uh, it'll be open tomorrow. Spotlight, brought to you by the Isle of Man Arts Council. Artist Dawn Kenyuk will be showing her work alongside a cosy little gang of other creatives at Hopchinay in the Yard this Saturday at Bishop's Court. Dawn popped by the studio to tell me more about her materials, her inspirations and what exactly got her into painting in the first place. I'm, I'm a trained hairdresser. I was a hairdresser for many years and um, so five years ago I was at home I had a book, a home, and bored, and um, so I just did a sketch of of a hair on a piece of A4 paper just with a random pencil that I had at home. And my parents came round to see me, checking how I was. They asked, um, you know, they saw it and they said, that's that's really nice, which it wasn't really that nice because obviously parents say that because, you know, that's what they do. So um, they went away and... um, Unbeknown to me, they um, ordered me an art set. And they one day they just turned up with it and said, we got this for you. And we thought, you know, you should have a go at doing it. So they bought me my first acrylic art set. So that's what started me on my journey of painting. And was um, art something that you enjoyed at school or something? Was there, There must have been some kind of grounding in it. Well, I took art as a GCSE at QE2 to Skive and I failed it. (laughs) I've had people say to me more recently, you know, well, how how did your teachers not see that you had that talent? And I said, well, I didn't actually show them any talent, to be fair, at the time. It wasn't the right time for me, you know, and I really, um, I spent more time at school chatting and messing around, really, than actually concentrating, to to be perfectly honest. So, um, no, it wasn't the right time for me. um, I've always been creative, but I had no idea. But I felt for many years frustrated the fact I thought there was something I could do, but I didn't know what it was. And then the minute I started to do this, I kind of realised this was it. This was this is what was missing and what I was, not without sounding corny, but destined to do really, I suppose. Um, yeah, so that was my introduction to it really. 
bless you. Yeah, we have a lot of those conversations about because I think, yeah, with anything creative, you you do you pour yourself into into it so it is it's quite an emotional it's quite an emotional thing we do get corny about it so you say fear on spotlight don't worry but to go from um that moment when you sort of thought oh I just fancy having a doodle here to where you are now you've really established yourself what was that journey like for you I think at the start um you know you don't really want to put yourself out there in case it's not received well Mm -hmm. um but I had encouragement and I thought, you know what? Why not? What 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 can be the worst that can happen if you you know, you never try, you never know, do you? So it's been just quite organic, really, just growing into it and gradually improving. I mean, you know, I look back at some of the early work that I did, and you kind of cringe a bit, you know. But but <laughs> then but then there's other people that I've met who own my older work, and they love it, and they like the the part you know that it is part of that process which I think is quite nice really um but for me now um yeah I it's just really nice that other people enjoy it because it does come from the heart and and I think if somebody is enjoying what they're doing you you can see that you get the feel for that and I, I love it when I do do the craft fairs and I particularly have a giraffe I don't have you seen I've got a giraffe that I've painted and he's peeping sideways bit of a cheeky giraffe really and um, whenever I do the craft fairs he kind of takes centre stage and it's lovely because I see people walk towards my stall and immediately I see a smile on their face and to me that's great you know if 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 you can do that to people you know have that effect that's brilliant and that's what I love about it is that um, it has that effect on people and what kind of effect does it have on you? Because I think so often we find this um, anything creative can be so soothing, so calming and meditative. Um, it can help us get in touch with our own emotions, connect with other people. When you turn that into your day job, that feeling can change. There's always that risk that, um, you know, you're working towards a deadline or you've got a commission that doesn't quite sit right with you. But um, and so it's not maybe where your passion lies. Um, you've got taxes to do. You've got books to keep. There's this the reality of being a professional creative. How has that been for you? I find um, my husband is very good. He does all the business side of things for me. So that's great. I don't have to because I'm rubbish with anything to do with that. But I I, I find um, it's really good for the creative side, good for your soul. I mean, it it came at a time in my life where my children were growing up. They're they're men. I've got two sons. They're, They're adults now. But it, I think a lot of people, parents would, it would resonate with them that, they get to a point, your children, where they don't need you as much. They're growing up, and that's how it should be. But you kind of feel a bit lost. Your identity goes, you know, because you've been a mother for all those years. And um, it came at a brilliant time for me that I then, this, it didn't fill a void, because obviously they're still there, but, you know, it, it, it allowed me, it was perfect timing. And uh, that's really good. Um as for commissions, I am. Um, I've done quite a lot of commissions, you know, in the last few years, and it's really good because for me, with not being a trained artist, and and it's quite easy just to keep with what you know. Um, so it's by doing these commissions and doing it pushes you. So to me, um, 
that is really good for my creative side. That's so good to hear because I think we have all these different conversations with creatives and sometimes a commission can can weigh people down. They're excited to do it, but it's um, you know, the the true joy comes from what they what they love, what they're inspired, what they're moved to do. Um a lot of your work that I've seen um in the last few years has featured um music and notation that's local, birds and and animals which are local. There there seems to be a very strong Manx identity to a lot of what you do. Yes. Um, I think with with the older pieces that I paint on, it's to me a lot of these. It's all old, old bits of paper, a lot of it, you know, and it, old things, and really a lot of these things get disregarded by people. They end up in landfill, and um, and to make that relevant again, and to think, you know, to recycle that is really nice and it's a challenge and the the old paper is beautiful to paint on it's really nice it gives a lovely muted effect when you're painting on it and um yeah people seem to like it which is good but i know i get it's a real challenge um you know what what can i if i find for instance recently i've just painted on an old map an old manx map i found in the back of a book and straight away i i I started painting on it and I thought, I know what I'm going to do with this. And it's just that challenge. Um, I really enjoy it. Yeah, it's great. And you said you work in acrylics. Do you have, um, I'm always curious about people's tools and materials. Um, do you have a particular brush or a particular pencil that is your go-to, your sort of safety zone that, you know, you know that you can pick that up and get exactly the effect that you want from it? Um I use very small, very thin brushes that, um, yeah, it's a lot of patience. But I really enjoy the challenge of just building the layer, because you have to build the layers up with it. You can use a bigger brush, obviously, with your base layers to build that up. And then, but when you get into the top layers and, you know, your thin brush, um, it's really pleasurable and to me you know you're doing the eyes you're just bringing them alive really which is nice but yeah um as i'm progressing with it my work is getting smaller because i just like the the, the delicate aspects of that really it must be so satisfying when you've been um, working, so, you know, such detailed work when you see those animals kind of come to life and, and their character expressed. What do you work from? Are there, do, you, do you go out and take photographs? Is there a resource you use? Because um, as I was saying to Jeremy Paul on last week's programme, you can't ask a, a sparrow or a wren to sit still long enough to, to, to paint it. So what's your, what's your process on that front? What I tend to do is I spend quite a lot of time on likes of Instagram where I'll find photographers um mostly amateur photographers and I'll I I look through the work and then I say can I use your photograph and to be honest that they for them the idea that an artist wants to do that they, they you know it's great for them as well because then they know you know it is a good photograph yeah. to, to go from so and nine times out of ten they're quite happy to let you do that and then I'll share it I'll tag them in it and which is great for them and so yeah a lot of time is spent um sourcing mm-hmm. material really and I I would like to um take my own photographs it's something I do plan on doing 
um, in the future. And I did only have a conversation with Jeremy a few days ago about this. And funnily enough that, you know, because obviously he, he does that with all his work. And I think that's amazing. So, yes. Um, yeah, I think I, I'd i have to brush up on my photography skills. But, uh, yeah, I would like to do that. You say, you know, you said you trained as a hairdresser. Um I can see a lot of crossover there because to be a hairdresser, there's the precision, there's sort of steadiness of hand, there's that um, attention to detail and dealing with dealing with sort of the finer, you know, the, the sort of smaller, um, trickier aspects of um, of anything. I can see crossover there. Do you think that, I don't know, yeah, you're talking about how you feel that this is what you were destined to do. Um and sometimes it's funny when you look back and you see how different things that you might not expect actually fed in to, to, to that, to get you to that point. Yeah. Um, like I said before, I mean, I think if I, I wouldn't have been able to do what I do now, say 20 years ago, I wouldn't have been ready. The kids were young. Um, you know, you, you, you change, you get, I'm more patient now, I think, to be, to be perfectly honest, really. Um, so, yeah, it, all these things lead you down a path really but I have always had that creativity and being able having a good eye I think is is the is the key I like interior design you know I I I like things like that so yeah there is that creative aspect there um I never thought this would be what I'd do and 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 I think I quite like the idea that I mean, it's to put it quite, you know, crudely, I suppose, you can teach an old dog new tricks. Because people, you know, say that, you know, once you get into, you know, a job, you know, it's hard to get out. It's hard to change what you want to do as you get older. You know, a lot of doors aren't open to you. So, and it is a leap of faith to do something different. And I think it's nice to think, yeah, to do something quite different. People like that, you know, they quite feel quite inspired by that, which I think is really nice. Spotlight, brought to you by the Isle of Man Arts Council. Now, what do you think you know about Bollywood dance? From November the 1st to the 6th, that's all of next week, Theatrics Theatre Company are offering you the opportunity to pop along to the class and give it a try for free. Anna Mayher is the class leader and I think, Anna Mayher, because we possibly don't understand the lyrics or the moves in Bollywood dance, we in the West may have the impression that it's all just about bright colours and impressive routines, but I'm starting to understand that really it's grounded in very meaningful, spiritual, classical Indian dance. It is, no, definitely. The perception which what people have generally on this side of the world is very different to what exactly it is. It's very expressive. The words, the songs have a lot of meaning to it. It can be funny meaning everything. It's right from sad songs to uh, when a child is born or a fun song or a lover chasing her lover. Every word is very, every song is very meaningful. It doesn't have any set steps to it. Ah. So there is no, it incorporates everything. That's why there is no fixed steps to do. Okay, so it's it's really fun though. It is amazing when you whenever I have this dance class going on, which is a new part of the theatrics uh, dance company. It is we have a laugh. Mm-hmm. It's fun mostly. It and then 
I try to explain the meaning of the song as much as I can so that the person can uh, understand and then pick it up from there. It sounds like so much fun and it makes me curious, how did you get into this? Living, born and brought up in India, so always been part of Bollywood as in watching movies, grown up watching movies and everything and songs are a part of Bollywood uh, movies, which is you enjoy and uh, since childhood loved dancing enjoyed it a lot be it very properly trained or not but started getting into uh, school dance and everything and then in India because it's so culturally rich we have lots of festivals and when in festivals there are shows and everything started helping out and performing in dance shows over there started choreographing and giving my input into it and that just carried on during my university as well, was a part of my cultural group in college. And then I came to Jersey, I got married. Mm -hmm. Jersey being a small island, when I started knowing people, Diwali is a big festival, if you know Diwali is a festival of lights, coming next week actually. We start, and there was a big amount of Indian people there, we started having a Diwali festival as an Indian community where 300, 400, 300 around people used to come together. Because it was an entertainment based, so again, I, I went, along with one of my friends, took the charge of entertainment side of it. We used to arrange plays and everything and used to dance as well as teach the ladies the steps and everything to perform on at least two, three songs. Mm -hmm. And then I came in Isle of Man in 2015. Yeah, 2015. Didn't start obviously kick off the first year, but as I started to know more people, again, I found that there were loads of people and tried to have the Diwali festival as a community and then we did before COVID obviously happened we did around two three years of uh, Diwali festival as an Indian community on the island there were news as well about it where we performed as well again I did and then I started going to Caitlin who's the principal of the dance theater she approached me with this idea which I thought like it is amazing and just got through, the, I started from there. So Thursdays, every Thursdays at seven o'clock, I'm at the church on the Lodge Promenade. Oh, yeah. And uh, there is this 45 minutes dance class. It's a difference. You do get your energy out. I wait for the, however tired I am on that day at work, I look forward to this day. And I, because I know that is my full on, energy pack over there which I can and I'm, it's a, my happy place. Who are the workshops for? Who are the classes for? There is the best part is there is no age part there is no experience required anything so it can be a child it can be an adult it can be a man it can be a woman and so there's no experience required because just come. And what does it mean to you um, to be able to share this art form with um, people of the Isle of Man? It is the first on island. People are aware, but they're not aware how it actually uh, comes through the dance form itself. Everybody knows about Bollywood. They uh, have most of them see movies, obviously with subtitles. It would be nice for them to know more about it. There are a lot of Indians on the island. It is in Bollywood's part of all the Indians, and you sweat. <laughs> I make them sweat. I keep going on back to back, back to back. Like I said, there is love, but then you there. it's a good workout as well. So it's not just like that. You're just 
um, twisting your hands in the air and changing a light bulb. It's yeah. not about that. That is such a bad perception. It would be nice for anybody to try the workshop because they're free and it would be a good chance to give it a go. Thank you so much for joining me this week. I'm sad to say it's my final spotlight for a little while at least. I'm going over to the dark side, also known as news. I hear they have biscuits. But from next week, you'll be in the very capable hands of Michelle James, who I know will be delighted to hear from you. So do continue to get in touch with us through spotlight at manxradio.com. I'll be back tomorrow on Late Lunch with Christy T. Haven down at Ramsey Garden Centre, where we'll be frolicking around in the tinsel. I hope you can join me then. But for now, I hope you have a lovely creative week. Slend you. <laughs>